Welcome back to another author interview on Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And in today's episode, we are hopping back on the thriller train, this time with a domestic thriller from a fan favorite, Sherry LaPena. It's well known that I used to exclusively read thrillers. I absolutely loved The Couple Next Door, and so I was really excited to read Sherry's latest book, The End of Her, which is another domestic thriller, and just came out yesterday. Yeah, came out July 28th. The End of Her is the story of Stephanie and Patrick, a young couple adjusting to life with colicky twins. A visitor from the past returns to their life, making a shocking accusation regarding the death of Patrick's first wife. While he insists on his innocence, in the throes of sleep deprivation and stress, Stephanie begins to doubt her husband. Blackmail, affairs, and a persuasive liar permeate the pages of this domestic thriller. There was so much to consider in this book. There were so many characters, and you never really knew what to expect next. Yeah, I was really just along for the ride. I could not predict how it would end. Here is our conversation with Sherry. Welcome to Read It or List It, Sherry. We are so happy to have you with us today. We would love if you could begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, I live in Toronto, Canada. I have a cat, Poppy. Um, I write thrillers. And I love dark chocolate. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh everyone's excited fun. about the dark chocolate, don't <laughs> I think we can all relate to that, especially nowadays. <laughs> I love the name Poppy. Oh, I do too. She was, she was born on Remembrance Day, hence the name. Oh. Everybody loves chocolate and cats. Yes, <laughs> Especially book lovers. I think those are two qualifications to love reading is to also love chocolate and cats. (laughs) Um, Well, you are also an attorney turned author. Ashley is also a lawyer. Um, Oh, are you still practicing? I am. Yes. And I'm, I currently am just finishing up a, um, I've been in a two-year judicial clerkship for the past two years and I'm going to a firm next. Uh, So any tips you have on, being overwhelmed and having loving to write and read uh, and also be a lawyer at the same time. I'm all ears. I don't know. My experience of being a lawyer was it's so all consuming. There's no time to read or write. Um, I know. uh, Yeah. That was one of my main problems with being a lawyer is it's the hours. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so long. So good luck with that. (laughs) Thank you. What has it been like to to kind of transition yourself from the two two careers? Oh, it's been fantastic. So I I personally did not like being a lawyer. It didn't didn't really suit me. Um, And then I I became an English teacher in between. And that that was better. But I became a writer when I stayed home with my kids. So I've been writing now for 20 years. Um, And it's great not having a job. I love not having a job. Um, (laughs) I like I like working from home. I get to make things up. I get to travel. To me, this is my dream job. This is the job I wanted when I was a little girl. And I finally got it. But it took me till I was, you know, in my 50s. Um, That's amazing. To uh, be successful at it. Yeah, it takes time. Have you connected with any other authors who followed similar paths? Oh, yeah, there's lots of us. Like, I wrote for um, 16 years before I had my first successful thriller. And I think that you'll find most writers have put many, many years of writing at home in before they ever got a contract. Mm. And I know lots of lawyers who have become uh, thriller writers. Uh, So, yeah, I don't think my career path is that unusual. 
Um, for a writer, you know, a lot of us uh, write for a very long time and quite a few come from the legal background. Steve Cavanaugh, John Grisham, um, quite a few, uh, Robert Rotenberg. Anyway, there's a lot of them. Uh, Scott Turow. Mm-hmm. Jillian McAllister is also a lawyer. So yeah, a lot. I love John Grissom is one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. I love, um, you know, A Time to Kill, some of those like really yeah. powerful courtroom dramas. Yeah, I, love, I love the courtroom dramas too. They're so <laughs> compelling, especially, you know, taking aside whatever has to be dramatized to make a really good book versus what actually would happen in the courtroom, which we all know is much more boring. Um, oh, I, yeah. I love that. Uh, but I also love how your books are, you, we had, even in this one, we have a little bit of a courtroom drama kind of thing. But for the most part, there are these like psychological thrillers, like what's going to happen next. So it's cool that you can kind of bring your legal career into it a little bit, but totally do something really creative and unique as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I do tend to bring in lawyers um, in most of my books, I think. I usually have mm-hmm. a lawyer in there somewhere. Yeah. And the end of her specifically, we've got a lot of characters that probably uh, need need a lawyer <laughs> that make some questionable <laughs> decisions. What What is the process like for you to write these characters that are so complex and kind of like, you don't know whether or not you should root for them because of all their questionable decisions, but you still want to see what happens and who comes out on top? What's that like? Yeah, well, it's sort of a a process of discovery for me. So um, I have my idea and I start writing and I I don't have an outline or a plan and I don't have a clear idea of my characters when I begin. Like for this one, I knew that I would have, uh, you know, Patrick and Stephanie and I knew that his wife would have died earlier and I knew that some other woman would come in and she would be a baddie. But other than that, I didn't really know what was going to happen. So what happens is, as I write the book and all these conflicts emerge, um, the characters become clearer in my head and I I build them and I build layers onto them and they do things that makes them richer. And it's just sort of an organic thing for me. Yeah, it was definitely like I I'm new to the thriller genre and I think everyone told me I would really enjoy psychological thrillers. And I enjoyed this one because it was like you had to keep reading because the characters were all flawed in so many different ways that you're like, oh, I'm rooting for you now, but now I'm not rooting for you and I'm going to root for this character and I'm feeling very conflicted, (laughs) Uh, which made it a lot of fun to read and to consume. Um, But the role of motherhood plays a really big part in this story and it's really different for all of the characters, um, including a lot of the obstacles that it brings. Um, And why did you feel that it was important to include these details? You know, they just, they're, they're what come out of my mind. And I, I, I just trust my mind to come up with stuff that works. I didn't set out to write a book about motherhood. Um, I wanted to make things difficult for Stephanie. So I thought, you know, colicky twins, why not? That way she'll be really off balance when she gets hit with all this news about her husband. Um, And I, you know, I had a colicky baby and I know how disorienting um, Mm. going without sleep for many, many weeks can be. Um, but, you know, I had to make things worse for her. So I gave her twins. But um, <laughs> and, you know, the other couple, well, there's two other couples really in this story. The one with the adopted child springs to mind. And yeah. I just I love that couple in that part of the story because, oh, they've got they're in a tough spot. Yeah. And um, I like, you know, because I'm a parent and because most of my friends are parents, 
and we've all been through so much. It's just it's just something that enriches your life and it, it just the book feels more rounded to have those sorts of relationships in it. And you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing more interesting than watching someone like getting inside someone's head about their parenting because it's such such ripe ground for self-doubt and all sorts of conflicting feelings and um, such uh, intensity. So it's to see how the woman who adopted the child reacts to some of the news she gets. I I found that really interesting and fun to write because you think, oh, how would I react to something like that? Uh, I think everybody always says, you know, like, by the time I'm 30 or by the time I have my kids, I'm going to have my life figured out. And the (laughs) older you get, the more you realize that we are all still like 15 years old in our brains just trying to figure it out. So, um, and I think what I, what it, what pulled me to Stephanie's story was that, you know, she is an exhausted mother of colicky twins. So all this news and information that she's receiving, like, can she trust her mind? Like, can Mm -hmm. she like, is what she feeling real? Like, is it exaggerated? Like, and I think that's what made it so much fun to read. So what is like your secret to creating that like suburban paranoia? Because we obviously have like the neighbors and the neighbors opinions and, you know, um, Patrick and Stephanie reacting to what the people in their town are thinking of them. I don't know what the secret is. I just think that way. Like when I create characters, you know, everybody has a secret. Um, everyone's got something to hide. And I guess the the paranoia and the tension just comes from uh, the point of view. So I have a very hot point of view, which is like a very emotional point of view. And I go right into the point of view of my main characters. So it's it's not distanced. You're right in their heads. And I think when you're right in a character's head, you get carried along and you identify with them. And that's, I think, what makes it so immediate because I'm right in that point of view of the character that I'm in at that time. So um, you really feel for them, even if they're not that likable, you're in their head. So um, yeah, I think that's how I create the paranoia is by getting so deep into their heads. Like it's a very emotional read. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it would translate really well to film and TV. I'm an actor, so that's just how I always think of things. I'm like, hmm, who would I want to play if this was ever like the opportunity arose? (laughs) Um, All right, who, do, who would you be in this one? <laughs> um, I think I would be Stephanie. I was say, you would definitely be Stephanie. <laughs> I'm, yeah. yeah, I would be Stephanie just because, like, I think Erica would be a lot of fun to yeah. play, but I don't know if I could believably pull off how duplicitous she is. <laughs> um, you never know until you try. Definitely. Um, yeah. Maybe even, like, Hannah. I could definitely be, like, the concerned neighbor. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but who would you like to see play your characters? Oh, you know, I get asked this quite a bit and I don't really have an answer because I, I don't really know um, that many actors that well. But I, I was talking about this earlier today with someone and I thought that the woman who played female lead in Gone Girl, mm. she was. Oh, she Rosamund was, Pike. She's oh, Rosamund amazing. Pike, that's it. She would have made a she would make a great Erica, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's got the looks and the chops and the psycho cold thing down I think I think she'd be great and um I don't know maybe I don't I don't know who for Stephanie but for for Patrick maybe someone like Chris Pine or Ooh, um, yeah 
Yeah. I was even thinking like um, Blake Lively played. Uh, Do you know someone else suggested her? Someone else suggested really? it. Really? I thought yeah. because you know I never would have thought Blake Lively could play a character like this until she played who's the. The Simple Favor. Yes, The Simple Favor. She played kind of an Erica-like type in that. And I thought, you know, she definitely has the, like, multi-faceted type of I'm so sweet and convincing, but also maybe not. I think she could actually do that pretty oh, well. Yeah. I, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would, too. I think someone, like, really, like, the like the all-Americana look, I think, would be great for Stephanie and Patrick, especially because, like, you know, we don't, we don't really know what's behind the the yeah. facade. Yeah. Do you know who I think would be good though for um, Stephanie is Myla Kunis. Oh, she oh can, I love her. I love her, and she's she can be, you know, very normal. And then she did you see Black Swan? She can be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. think she's good. But the truth you, is, we always we always talk about this, but the truth is, the writer has nothing to say in terms <laughs> of who they who they cast for the movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, you touched a little bit earlier about kind of how things come to you and how your characters evolve and you listen to them. What is your writing process like? Do you do kind of an outline or do you kind of have a sketch of some of these characters and let them drive the narrative forth? I don't do an outline and I don't have a character sketch at all. All I do is I start with the premise. So with this one, I knew that we would have the first wife dying in the snowy car and so I started right off with the prologue with the scene just before she gets in the car. Mm-hmm. And then I just went from there. I went into the new couple and just her with her twins. And I just, I kind of just went from there. All I knew at that point was that this woman, Erica, would have to come into the scene. So um, initially, I think I had her meeting him for drinks. And I thought, no, it's more interesting if she comes to his office to throw him off base. And then that's interesting because then she does it later on to someone else where she just kind of shows up and um, throws people off, you know, they yeah. think, what is she up to that she's showing up like this? So in a very uh, vulnerable position because he has to keep his mask up that he doesn't know her and can't really let anything show. Right. Like, so she's put him deliberately into an awkward position and, and she's got him off, you know, wrong footed all the way through mm-hmm. right from that first time that she walks into his office and announces so she's put him on his back foot and uh, he has to deal with her and he does not like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely leads in all these situations. Like yeah. she makes sure she has the upper hand or she's in control of the narrative as much as she can be. Um, and I just love, I really, really enjoy thrillers. Phoebe said she's new to the thriller genre. Thrillers have been kind of my go-to genre uh, for a while. I think they really got me back into reading and particularly domestic thrillers like this, because like you said earlier, there's so many um, mundane things that we can explore that are heightened when you're in a setting like this where some huge thing happens. What is your take or opinion on why domestic thrillers are such a popular genre for readers? Um, I think it's simply that readers can identify with these people in these um, these setups. Like, you know, it could be you or somebody you know. Um, it's not like being a spy in the CIA or something. It's like mm-hmm. these are just normal, everyday people. And I think that we like to, we've become a very voyeuristic world you know with all our cameras and our 
Instagrams and our, <laughs> you know, our internet. So we're just curious about, you know, seemingly perfect people and, you know, thinking about what's going on behind closed doors, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, so I think if you take very normal looking people, it's creepier when you find out that there's something really wrong underneath. Mm-hmm. The Couple Next Door is one of my favorite thrillers. And you mentioned you've been writing for a, a long time now. Has the way that you think about ideas, the way you come up with a premise for a new book, has that changed? Uh, has it gotten more difficult after having written so many books? Um, it hasn't changed, actually, surprisingly. I still have the same process where I I have to come up with an idea that excites me. I can never seem to to write a book that's based on someone else's someone else's suggestion. It has to be an idea that I've come up with that I get really fired up about. Um, and I, you know, I write it chronologically without a plan. So that's stayed the same. One thing that has changed is I do more research as I go along because I've been caught before when I'm writing a book and I think, oh, I'll do the research later. And then I find out, well, what I wanted to do is simply not possible. Mm. So now if I, I hit something, I research it first and make sure it's doable before I, <laughs> before I carry on. So there's that. And is it easier? I mean, it's always one of the hardest things about writing a thriller for me is coming up with the germinating idea, because for me, that's, that's sort of what drives everything. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. There are so many thrillers and everything's been done. So it's, it's very hard to come up with something that will really grab you, you know, that that's different enough and exciting enough. Um, you know, there are a lot of domestic thrillers out there, so it's hard to come up with something unique. So I think that's one of the hardest things. And it, it seems to be getting harder all the time because, you know, now I've done a baby kidnapping. I can't do another one. Or right. um, now that I've done a husband who might have killed his wife, I can't do that. So like, it's like, getting smaller and smaller in my <laughs> of things that I can do. So yeah. what other horrible things can can we uh, add into a family <laughs> scenario? Yeah. If you don't want to you don't want to redo something that you've done before, but uh, yeah, there's always new material. I mean you just have to keep an eye out for it. Do you like follow anything in the news and that like how like have real life um, stories inspired you at all? Oh yeah. That's I I get a lot of my ideas that way. I mean, this book was based on something that was in the, the news, um, the the death in the snow-covered car. My previous book, Someone We Know, was also, um, it was inspired by something I saw online. It was a story about a, a teenage boy who his, his parents had cut off his Wi-Fi and uh, he broke into a house next door in order to borrow their Wi-Fi, which I thought was hilarious because I had a teenage son at the time and... Um, <laughs> You know they love their Wi-Fi and they don't like it. <laughs> they don't like it to be turned off. So I could see hundreds of thousands of teenage boys breaking into a house just to use the Wi-Fi. Like to me, that did not seem like a stretch. Yeah. And I thought, if I have a a boy that's willing to break into a house to use Wi-Fi, you know, if he's really computer savvy, like so many of them are now, what might he do when he's in the house? He might look at the computers. And then I, you know, I threw in a murder in there, and I'm off to the races. So. Um, <laughs> That's generally how I get my ideas. But the couple next door, I don't know, that one just like pinged into my head um, out of the blue. I don't know. I live in a I live in a semi-detached house. So I've got neighbors on the other side. And, you know, I had I had a child and I had a monitor and, you know, I was thinking about, well, what would what would a parent do? Like what 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 kind of risk would they take? And it just 
popped into my head. So, yeah, I mean, coming up with the ideas is, I think, one of the toughest things for a, a writer, especially because if you're writing a book a year and, you know, you finish one book and you've got about a week before you need to start writing the next book. So you need to come up with an idea. I don't have a whole drawer full of great ideas sitting around. I, uh, right. I'm a serial writer. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I have a book I'm writing now, but after that, I have no idea what I'm going to be writing. So, mm. yeah. Well, this, I mean, when I finished the end of her, I was like, Ashley, it like ended without really an ending. Like there's sort of like a cliffhanger here. And she was like, well, that's sort of typical in thrillers. But I was wondering, did you have plans for a sequel? Because we don't really get any answers at the end. Well, the main story is wrapped up at the end, but I, I do leave a cliffhanger um, at the end because I, I like to I like to leave it open like real life. Mm-hmm. So everything is doesn't all just come to a nice tidy conclusion and we all keep living on past our latest disaster so um there won't be a there won't be a sequel no I I sorry about that I do get (laughs) I do get requests a lot for sequels especially after Stranger in the House oh my goodness Mm -hmm. I've had so many requests if I were going to do any sequel it would probably be to that one um (laughs) just because I've had so many requests for it but once I've written written a book I'm kind of done with those people I think I'm ready for something new I think like without obviously I don't we don't want to spoil the ending but I did I did think that the ending was uh my favorite it's like my favorite type of ending for thrillers like this where I call it the spinning top moment which is totally a reference to (laughs) the the movie Inception where Mm -hmm. kind of like Phoebe and I can discuss exactly what we thought happened and you know how it resolved or how it came to that moment and we could have vast different ideas of you know who what's behind it who's behind it all that so I that's like my favorite way of of really leaving it up to the reader to figure it out for themselves or come to peace with what they think happened and it makes it really fun for like book club discussions I think I think that's why this this like the domestic thriller genre is so popular is because it leads to a lot of discussion and I think that there really can't be anything you can ask for more of like if your readers are you know once they the book is not done once they're done reading it because then it opens up so much fun discussion mm-hmm. yeah that's true um do you have any authors that inspire you oh um sure I mean what have I read lately that I mean, psychological thrillers are my fave. So um, one I read really recently that I thought was really well done was The Silent Patient. Do you know that one? Yes, I read that. Very popular. Yeah, that was a really interesting psychological thriller. So that, I find that, you know, I I like the psychological stuff. I've never done a book with a psychiatrist in it because I feel I don't know enough. But that one was really interesting to me because it was a psychiatrist and he sort of subverted everything. It, it was really, I really enjoyed that one. So, yeah, and I was quite inspired by the whole Gone Girl thing because that was a, that was, you know, a couple where they're both like really off mm-hmm. and they have a really interesting off relationship. And the way that one ended, if you recall, it was mm-hmm. really interesting the way they were left and you just know that story is going on and you feel so bad for what's coming. Yeah. Uh, if you know what I mean. Um, yes. 
Yeah. It's yeah, always so, so hard when we talk about thrillers because we're like, yeah, know. you know, the moment. And then <laughs> like we've read it, but we're not sure who else has read it and we don't yeah, want to spoil it. <laughs> hard, But yeah, that kind of thing um, I find really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I think is always so interesting is I, I, like I said, I love writing or reading thrillers and I consider them to be the best genre to read during the summer months there's something about having a thriller in my hand in one hand and like a cold drink in the other hand that just goes so well together and this is obviously you know a July publication what do you what do you think it is that there that there is about these thrillers that make it ripe for reading during the summer months (coughs) Um, I don't know I read thrillers all year long um but I guess they're they're really good escape. They're just they're they're fun. They're not um, they're not heavy. Well, they're dark, but they're not heavy. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So they're just uh, they're just a fast read. They're entertaining. That you want to just keep reading. Um, so they're good to relax with. Uh, yeah, I, like I don't know. Brain candy. Yeah, mm-hmm. like <laughs> like brain candy. But you know, people talk about beach reads, but I mean, I read, I read thrillers all year long. I like to cuddle up in bed in the winter and read a good thriller. Like, it's nothing mm-hmm. I like better. Well, you kind of alluded to mentioning that you're working on something right now. Can you tell us about it at all? Or um, I can't tell you much because I, I really don't like to talk about my work in progress. But I will just say that um, it's a double murder, a very violent double murder. And I have lots of suspects. And... Any one of four or five people could have done it. And I've set things up so that they're all very happy that it was done, but you don't know who actually did it. So I will have to figure that out as I go along. Oh, wow. That sounds really good. Well, you're definitely a fan favorite. We had a few friends we let slip that we were talking to you today who were like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. (laughs) Uh, One of our friends, Angie, was like, I met her before she signed my book. Please tell her how wonderful she is. Yeah, people love to have their books signed. It's like, that's the unfortunate thing about the pandemic is that all the in-person events are canceled. So people can't get their books signed anymore. And you know what? Next year or the year after, I'll be out and about and people can come and bring all their books and I'll sign them all. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) We, I think that uh, between your book and some of the other things that I'm convincing Phoebe to read, we have got Phoebe to be a thriller reader for life. Uh, (laughs) I've got two for two, you know, I'm a big fan now. (laughs) (laughs) They're not all scary. You know, this no, one... this one wasn't scary. This is just compulsively like I need to know what happens, and that's yes. the best type of thriller. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you you know, it's got nothing to do with you. It's just it's, you've got to remove, but you just want to see what's going to happen to them. And thank God it isn't you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, the end of her is available wherever you buy your books now. I cannot believe that you have gotten me to read thrillers and fantasy in one year, um, and that I'm actually 
liking them and enjoying them. But I guess that just goes to show you that reading outside your comfort zone pays off and that anything is possible. <laughs> it's it's all part of my master plan, Phoebe. I'm going to get you to basically read every single book that I ever recommend. But, you know, a lot of it, I can't, I can't say I did it alone. I think a lot of it I have to owe to 2020 for just being a crazy ride so far. Yeah, it has gone rogue. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> If you enjoyed today's author interview with Sherry Lapina, make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcast. And stop by today's Instagram post at ReadItOrListItPod with your thoughts on today's episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.